I love a good story, especially if it's a God story, and I have a great story for you today. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. My guest today is a beautiful woman of God. She's a trusted traveling companion and a dear friend and even an author, Lisa Stringer. Lisa is the wife of Doug Stringer, president of Somebody Cares America, and she is the editor of this podcast too. At one time, Lisa worked in the secular radio and music industry. She was the first female program director of a top 40 radio station and then became the vice president of programming and promotions at a radio group. And she even owned her own record label. Lisa received numerous awards for her contributions to the success of many highly recognized entertainers. But just as her star was rising, she left it all. Was it worth it? Well, we're going to find out. Welcome, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be with you, Jody. You were on the fast track to the kind of success and fortune that the world strives for. You attended the glitzy parties, you rode in the stretch limos, you rubbed shoulders with top celebrities, you had financial security. How did you step into that career in life? It started out in Houston, Texas, just growing up in a lower middle class, hardworking family and watching television. You know, back in those days, kids rarely got to watch TV. We sat in front of the television, maybe for one program after dinner and after our schoolwork was done. And they were very clean programs. Remember that, Jody? I do. I do. In fact, those are the programs we still watch, the oldies. (laughs) Exactly. And so with that in mind, I would watch very few women on the news And they were just people that I greatly admired. I wanted more than what I had. My girlfriends at school had name brand jeans and golly, I had the layaway plan at Kmart. I just wanted success. With that in mind, I knew that the only way to get it was to work hard in school. That if I wanted to achieve something, I was going to have to work hard at it. I ended up going to school in Arizona. And before I finished school, I was offered a great job in San Diego as a promotion director of a radio group and to manage a radio station ultimately. And that success led to a lot of what you had mentioned in the intro, which was a life of glamour. But it was all a facade, Jody. At the end of the day, I believe that a lot of what we see and we esteem is all glossed by social media edits. And people are deceived with the reality that the fact is these are real human beings who still go to the restroom like all of us, who still get tummy aches and headaches, who still have drama with their friends. And once you realize all that, you realize your value is just as much as theirs. That really isn't what people make it out to be. Absolutely not. I mean, is there something cool about getting to go to a restaurant and not have to wait in line? where you had to have a reservation. Yeah, Yeah, that's nice. Or what about going to Disney World or Disneyland? You go with the celebrity and you get an escort and there's no line to wait in. There's some perks, if you will. But if I were to process and weigh them out on a scale, I would take the life I have now over and over and over again because of Jesus, because of the peace I have, and because of the privilege, the privilege to serve other people. Yeah. How did you first hear about Jesus? Was it in the music industry or what? How did you first come into faith in Christ? Although I don't recall specifically, I know I had Christian family members that would tell us about Jesus. They were some Assembly of God church people that came knocking on the door and say, hey, can we take your kids to church? I was one of those kids that on Sunday, because my daddy wanted to give us such a good life and give us a vacation, he would work overtime on Sundays. He'd make more money on a Sunday than he would probably two days during the week. He would go to work more 
and was unable to go to church with us. And we were bussed off to church and I was a primrose girl. And the word of God says that it does not return void. Praise God for those uh, people who got outside the four walls and weren't afraid to come knocking on your door to see if they could share Jesus with your family. Absolutely. And so I knew Jesus, but the challenge was that like many other people, we go to church on Sunday and we read scripture and we fall in love with Jesus. And then we come back to our reality at home. And when you don't have a family that's full on serving Christ, where there's still some fights, there's still some battles, there's still some drinking of beer and such, although there was never any violence in my home, it was challenging at times hearing my parents fight, then you don't understand where is God in the middle of all this as a child? You know, you question it. Some some children have discernment. Mm-hmm. I did it. And so with that, I figured, hey, I know Jesus. I'm saved. I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to keep living my life. I don't curse. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do all of these things. So I'm living an okay life. But now that I reflect on it, boy, was I strayed from God. <laughs> yeah, I, you kind of had the life insurance pl- or the, the fire insurance plan, but not sold all out, which ah, so many, so many of us hear the gospel in such a surface way, we don't realize the gospel is really our whole life. There's so much more to it. I look back now and if I would have understood, if someone would have spent time with me, if someone would have told me, and I'm not blaming it on someone because again, those that get revelation on their own, they don't need anybody to tell them. But I didn't. For whatever reason, I didn't. And I kept choosing the world instead of Jesus. The headaches I could have saved myself, the scars I could have saved myself. And now that is why my passion is to love young people with the truth. So you are living your life. You're, you know, you're living that Christian life in the music industry or trying to anyway. And finally, you had just had enough and you said enough is enough. I'm leaving you just walked away. What brought you to that point? Why did you do that? I mean, you gave up a lot of people's dream. Without a doubt. I had a dream job. What made me give it up? One is I always recognize Jesus, but her name is Ashley, Mm. (laughs) our 19, soon to be 20 year old daughter. When I was struggling to get pregnant, it took two years of trying and trying and trying and not understanding why God wasn't giving me the gift he promised me. Once I had her, I was getting a lot of insight from reading the Bible and I had prophetic words and more than anything, the Holy Spirit spoke to me Mm. and he said, I want you to dedicate her to me because I've got a destiny for her, but I couldn't dedicate her to him. If I was going to have one foot trying to pretend to be a Christian three days a week or or one day a week or after 7 PM when I got home and then living with and for the world during the week. And when I say that I wasn't working at a Christian radio station, promoting godly music, I was promoting the kind of music that I wouldn't want my own child to listen to. And so with that in mind, I remember the scripture about being very careful what we see and what we hear. And we have to make sure that we're very careful with where we stand. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, Ashley's the reason why I left the industry and was able to give everything up. I wanted to raise her in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. So that was a big sacrifice. I mean, your obedience to the Lord in that that way led to some pretty tough times in your life. Absolutely. Share a little bit about that. And then, you know... Was there a truth that really you could hold on to, to get you through the tough times? Giving up a a six-figure job, I was married to Ashley's biological father. 
I thought happily married because we didn't fight at home. There was never any yelling or cursing or crazy things going on. We both had very successful careers. We had a beautiful house in a gated community on the hills of Southern California. But the closer I grew to the Lord, I think the more distant I grew to my husband. And it wasn't that I grew distant to him. I would say he grew distant to me. He didn't want anything to do with God and really didn't want a child. And he had confessed that numerous times. And, you know, looking back, I realized it probably was more one-sided, you know, and he was trying to satisfy me. And I had the urgent desire when I turned 30, all of a sudden something inside my body said, be a mommy, be a mommy. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be a mommy. And so that happens to a lot of people. And I still believe I loved my husband and treated him well. But unfortunately, he made the decision to terminate our marriage. And at that time, I experienced a brokenness like I had never experienced, nor would I wish on anyone, not Mm -hmm. even an enemy. And the reason is twofold. One, it's painful. Two, it's not God's plan. God's plan is reconciliation. God's plan is marriage as a covenant promise that as we say, when we go before the altar until death do us part in sickness and in health for richer and for poorer. But too often we throw that to the wayside because we live in a society that throws things they don't want to the wayside all the time without reflection on what the end price really is. And so that was a terrible time of pain. I did not want to become a statistic, Jody. I didn't want to become a single parent mom. I'd given up a six-figure career to be her mama. And now I had to figure out how on earth am I going to support myself? Am I going to have to be thrust back into the field or into the workforce at any capacity? Mm -hmm. And that is when I will tell you that I encountered the power of God in a way that I have never encountered him. In that brokenness, I had the wherewithal to get accountability by reaching out to a spiritual mama. And she kept me so tethered to God Mm. that that was where my healing took place to the point where now I can tell you with all sincerity that because of Jesus, I can forgive my ex-husband. Because of Jesus, he ended up having relationships. I found out he was in a relationship with another woman. And that hurts. That hurts big time. But because of Jesus, not only did I forgive him, I was able to forgive the other woman. And let me tell you, when you're going through it, you don't want to pray for them. (laughs) You don't want to wish them just the worst in some ways. That just shows you what God can do, what his word does. When you say yes to Jesus, he can take the most horrific pain and turn it around and bring healing salve to it and transform you in ways that no human can. Yeah. His healing is not just physical healing, but he promises healing in every part of our life if we will let him. And I did let him. And I need you to know in all truthfulness, Jody, that it was a process. It was a daily going to my knees and crying out to him, daily reading his word even when I didn't want to receive it sometimes, but letting it do a work and letting it transform to the point where I would never be where I am now serving God in the capacity I am now, if I had not had that experience of allowing him to heal me in every way, emotionally, physically, in every way. Well, the word of God, it does that. It, 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 uh, God promises so much if we will dig into his word live by his word, meditate on his word. That is really what brings that healing and wholeness in our life. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit through the grace of God. So you were in this struggle, growing in your faith, but still having a hard time. And you ended up leaving California and moving back to Houston. In the process of growing deeper with the Lord, I used to think I knew God and I did. You know, you know him at whatever capacity you allow him to be involved in your life. But the more I read the word of God, the more I wanted to experience some of these things I was reading about. I mm. wanted some of the dreams and the visions and the encounters with God. Jesus said, greater things we would do than he. And he raised people from the dead. Yeah. He gave sight <laughs> to the blind. I mean, people that have never heard a word could hear. So if he could do that, and he says that greater things we would do, I wanted to start doing that, Jody. I Amen. was so hungry. I was so desperate because I was so hurt that I needed something to give me life. And so I said, God, I want to pray for the sick and see them healed. I want to pray for restored marriages. Mine maybe didn't work, but I'm going to believe for others. And yeah. I'm also believe, God, that you're going to bring me a righteous man and I am too young and my child did not deserve to not have the opportunity to have a father in the house. God, would you bring her a man of God to raise her in your ways? That became my prayer every day. Just God, let me walk in your will and your way. And one night he spoke to me as clear as day. He said, I want you to move back to Texas. And I thought to myself, now, God, I know you're healing me, but there is no way I'm going back to Texas. They have humidity there. <laughs> Besides that, God, they have flying cockroaches in Texas. And do you know that I wrestled with the Lord? Here he tells me to do something. I'm telling him I'll trust him. And yet I refuse to give him the reins to say where I'm going to live. I mean, I think it's something we all do, right? It is. And it's something I, I, I can attest. I've done that several times. I mean, the Lord told me to when I was graduating from college to go to graduate school. And I was like, mm, I think I have a better plan, God. I'm going to go get a job. And then when they, I, I really like this job. And I said, okay, God, here's the deal. If I get this job and there was every indication they were going to offer me the job. I said, if I get this job, I'm taking it. But if I don't get the job, I'm going to go to graduate school, like you said, thinking that I would get the job and be out of the deal. I got that little thin letter that said, thanks, but no thanks. And I went, oh, now I'm stuck. <laughs> but in obedience, I went to graduate school and God totally changed the trajectory of my life and put me on a path of great joy and fulfillment that I never would have had if I had been working at that point in my life in the industry I was going to work in. His ways are higher than our ways. The same here. I had a beautiful little baby girl. She was just like a little Gerber baby. You know, she's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I will go back and I will get her opportunities to work in the industry. And do you know that I got her an agent? A couple of times we got called back once or twice, but we'd never get anything. I mm. realized now that was God's hand because I would have been enamored with the money again and enamored with setting her up for a financial success. But God had greater things for Ashley. Amen. And so he, he shut those doors. So I ended up coming to, to Texas because he won, of course, because as you said, he will close every door and open the one he wants you to go through. And then when I said yes to Texas, I said, well, God, I'm going to Dallas. There is no way I'm going to Houston. Dallas will be better. It'll be cooler weather. And of course, he tells me, you're going to go to Houston. And eventually I obeyed. I say that Houston became my land of milk and honey. It was my promised land. And it has been a wonderful experience. And I'm very grateful to be here. Amen. Well, fast forward a little bit, a few years. I mean, you had a few years of establishing a life in Houston 
And along the way, somebody set you up on a blind date. I've never done a blind date in my life. An elder of the church who was a spiritual father to me, someone I greatly admire who right now is walking the streets of gold with Jesus, asked if I would go on a blind encounter, that he had the perfect person for me to meet. And he kept also reaching out to my husband and doing the same with him. And my husband is if you know anybody knows him, knows he doesn't do blind encounters and has also <laughs> been single for a very long time waiting for his righteous woman to not go into a lot of detail. I will say this, that God began to give me prophetic revelation that this would be the man I'd marry, but I never let him know because I wanted to be like Esther. I was done doing things my way because I would say I missionary married the first time. Mm-hmm. I really thought that I could marry somebody that, that was good and kind and loving, and then pray that he would know Jesus. I would certainly deliver him to Jesus. That was just it. But you know, it takes two and he's an individual on his own and he has to make that decision on his own. And I'm not God and I'm not the Holy Spirit. And so with that lesson learned, I would never do that again. I was also not enamored with people who had money or people that had positions. So in this case, You know, here's this man who's got this ministry that's serving people all over the world, but that didn't impress me. See, I'd already been with the wealthy. I'd already been with people of power. At this point, I wanted somebody that was going to honor our covenant promise when we were to get married. I want somebody that was going to love my daughter as our own. And so God ended up giving me that. At the end of the day, that blind encounter ended up being a two-year courtship. And now we're going on 13 years of marriage, praise God, to a great man of God. Yeah, well, along the way, you know, as we as we get older and we mature, we realize how much character is so much more important than charisma. Not that somebody can't have both. Your husband certainly does. If you get blinded by the charisma, you can miss character flaws. You know, character is really what counts at the end of the day. God blessed you because of your obedience to go to Houston, to serve at a church uh, for really little or no pay, to have just sought after the Lord and and served him in kind of obscurity, really. You were, you know, you were back in the kid's wing and then God has all of a sudden elevated you. It's a little bit of a Joseph story. I mean, not that you were in a prison in a pit, but you were serving in obscurity. And now you travel all over the world ministering in partnership with Doug You and I have traveled together on disaster relief missions to Haiti and the Bahamas and Japan. God has just taken you places that you would never have imagined he would once your heart was set on his plans and his purposes. Tell us a little bit about some of the miracles and the miraculous way God has moved in ministry now that you are serving him in ministry full time. To reflect a little bit on what you said, doing things God's way is an unbelievable experience and one that I would never trade. If I can give some advice to any young person listening and young, hey, if you're 65, you're still young. We are young in the eyes of the Lord. To those that are worried about where's my husband and when is he coming and I'm starting to feel like I'm old and whatever the case may be for you, don't rush don't rush. I know it's hard to believe, but don't rush what God's got for you because he's got something perfect for you. Mm-hmm. And in the 
meantime, stay in love with Jesus. Don't rush it. Don't make mistakes that a lot of other women have made, myself included. He's got his best waiting for you. What you have to do is focus on him. And as you focus on him, he'll bring you the other. When you said I came to Houston in obscurity, you're right. I'd never been anybody's secretary in my entire life. And that is not to diminish because executives would never be successful without a great secretary or personal assistant. It takes all of us to do teamwork. But I had never had that experience. It just so happened that I went straight into management position. With that in mind, I went from six figures and and being served to serving for free because I volunteered. I didn't, as you said, I didn't get paid for a while and I volunteered pretty much full time. I was so determined to give back to the youth what I felt I had stolen from them. Mm. I had stolen from one generation of people in the sense that I was bringing to life music that it just isn't good for your soul. It may have a good beat, but the lyrics, boy, they were something else, (laughs) you know, even though I thought I cleaned them up. Now that I think about it, there's still an underlying tone of what you're saying and people know. And so I wanted to go back and give to a generation of teens at a youth church to say, listen, you've got destiny. If I could save them some of the headaches that I'd been through, because a lot of times kids won't listen from their parents, but they'll listen from a stranger. Well, guess what? Or a leader or a teacher or someone else. I wanted to be that person in their life that if I could gain their trust and speak into their life, what God would give me, that maybe I could save them some headaches. As you said, I fast forward and I look back now at what God's done. I get to travel the world for Jesus. And I get to do it alongside a righteous man of God. We have a great marriage. It's not a perfect marriage, but it's a great marriage. It's a marriage where there has never been any yelling or fighting. There has never been any dishonor or disrespect. Are we challenged? Do we agree on everything? No, but thank goodness, because that's the refiner's fire. Yeah. That keeps us healthy. And there's times where Doug's right and I'm wrong. And there's times when I'm, you know, right and he's wrong. And and not that there is a right or wrong, but maybe we enlighten each other in the perspective, you know, so that we can find a happy ground. And so God is amazing in that. And some of the things I've been able to see, Jody, you and I have prayed for people, as you said, in Japan and Haiti, and we have seen financial provision come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. We healing take place. I have seen little girls. In fact, one that I met with you that was bedridden. She was abandoned by her mother, couldn't move at all. They had to change her diapers at all times. Just a sad little girl. But the lady who took her in, oh my gosh, she loved her as though she was just the finest of gold. And now an orphanage that we partner with through our ministry has her under her care because Miss Dorothy decided to retire and pass all the children on to this wonderful orphanage. And this little girl, I got to sing with her just a few years back when I went to Haiti on another trip to visit the orphanage and see this little girl sing to Jesus. And she is the life of the party. She's in a wheelchair now. So she's got mobility. She's getting an education. Jody, that is far better than any dinner or private plane I've been on with any celebrity. Amen. When you see God working in the lives and redeeming people, redeeming them from the pit, there is nothing more fulfilling than that. Nothing. We've really both had orphans and widow care on our hearts for a long time. And God's allowed us to be involved with that over the years. As you mentioned, Somebody Cares supports ministry partners that are doing the same thing. We recently started a Somebody Cares Orphan and Widows Fund so that we can do even more 
so when there's a fatherless child, like the one that you father and motherless child, like the one you mentioned that has special needs with special treatments, we can help with that. If there's a child that has a special gift that needs to be nurtured so they can be all that God has destined them to be, we can help with that nurture and that we can come together and support women who have served in ministry their whole lives, you know, to offer a little safety net when their husband passes. So scripture tells us to help provide for those widows and and together we can do that. In fact, in Northern Kenya, where Islamic terrorist groups, Al-Shabaab is active, one of our ministry partners has couriers who literally walk hundreds of miles carrying Bibles and teaching literature and sometimes food aid to remote villages in Islamic radical areas. And in just the past two years, 15 of those couriers have been murdered for their faith, leaving behind wives and children that have little or no support. And these are our Christian sisters who've lost much for the cause of Christ. And those are some of the kinds of widows and children that we can help through this Widows and Orphan Fund. So if listeners, if you want to join in that, please go and check out hergodstory.org. You can give there and be a part of a growing company of women that are taking up that call to pure religion, helping orphans and widows in their time of need. We invite you to do that. And Lisa, you know, you were almost a young widow yourself. It's kind of a challenging after you and Doug got married and were in ministry, all of a sudden you were hit with a shocking diagnosis that rocked your world. Tell us a little bit about that and and how you you saw God work miraculously in and through your life. My husband was diagnosed with stage four large B-cell lymphoma and it was 80% aggressive and we had been ministering all over the country and we're in New England when he just really began to notice that the growth in his neck was getting larger. And like many other people, we get, it starts off with a cold. You know, you think you have a cold and you don't want to do anything about it. And then the cold became pneumonia. I mean, that's not, that wasn't our case, but that happens to people. Or it's just a little lump and you're thinking it's going to go away. Maybe it's just a cyst, but the cyst becomes cancerous. And you have situations like that. And that's pretty much what happened to us. And I finally told my husband, I think you need to get it checked. He uh, checked with some friends of his and relatives of his who are physicians, and they all recommended the same thing. And we ended up getting this diagnosis, and the diagnosis was a shocker. I just got my husband. I don't recall how many years into my marriage I was, but I wasn't ready to give him up. In fact, mm. I'm never going to be ready to give him up. When you're in love, you want to live together and, and if you will, die together if possible, or be raptured. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, I remember crying my heart out, Jody. I remember being broken, saying, God, how could you give Ashley a daddy who she adores now and give me a husband and possibly take him away so quickly? This can't be the story you're writing. And my heart goes out to all those that have lost a loved one. It's a hard walk. And I only say that in the sense that I've lost my dad and I've lost other people I've loved. I've lost friends. So you know the pain at different capacities. And you trust God. You know that we're on borrowed time. I, I recently have been to a funeral of a little baby that only lived a few weeks. You know, I also know of another one that died in the womb. So there's all kinds of experiences that we don't take for granted and that we need to understand that everybody's story is different, but the outcome we must trust the Lord for no matter what. And that gave me a deeper understanding and brought me to a place because my daddy had died of cancer. He was given six months to live and only lived four I was able to relate to my mama in a way that I could have never related to her if I had not walked through this journey. I remember one day calling her from the hospital 
crying my heart out like an uncontrollable baby. Here I was, middle-aged lady, and I'm crying like a baby saying, Mama, I don't think I can handle this. I can't take anymore. And it could be, Jody, that I was physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Sure. Uh, I was spiritually spent. If in Even though you're in the word, there are moments where you're just overwhelmed and exhausted. And I praise God for the errands and hers in my life that we had all over the world that were lifting me up in prayer, mm-hmm. prayer partners in the ministry. I can tell you, thank you, Jesus, that he is now five years cancer-free and that the Lord healed him miraculously. I believe that God used the doctors and medicine, but it was ultimately the Lord who did the healing. Amen. And I want to go back, if I may, Jody. you mentioned the orphan fund. I just want to let your listeners know that I've had the privilege of going to India, Honduras, Haiti. We have orphanages in Colombia, and we're partnered with people all over the world. And I've had the privilege of carrying these babies. I've seen Ashley carry babies that had AIDS. Some children would think, and even adults, I don't want to touch the baby. It's got AIDS. What if, you know, it spits up on me? What if it's got a runny nose and I could get AIDS? You know, the beauty of being able to see God do the miraculous and love these children as God has called us to do, that's what we're able to do with those funds. We're able to take them food. We're able to love them. We're able to give them an education. We're able to teach them about Jesus and return a joy. When you look at some of the pictures and the encounters where some of these kids were abandoned, Mm. full on abandoned. I'm not talking as a baby. Can you imagine a three or four year old left in its own mess and left in a dark room for people to find them there that they had been abandoned for days hungry. And now you see them full of joy. It's just a priceless gift. So I want to just say thank you to all those that choose to give towards this. May you know that you are just helping transform the lives of young people in ways Amen. that they so deserve. The sacrificial sowing into these widows and these orphans, we will never know until we get to heaven what the impact was because the lives that we touch today will touch many others tomorrow. You know, the stories that we go through touch other people. I mean, your story of Doug's cancer and walking through that cancer, God spoke to you about writing it into a book. Um, You know, you had to go kind of through it again as you wrote that book, remembering the pain, but also the faithfulness of God. That is an experience in itself, writing a book. Talk about that. God Did Not Do This to Me is the title of the book. It's available anywhere books are sold. Mm -hmm. It is a real easy read. It's basically our story, very detailed. And you're right, Jody. it was very painful writing it. I began writing it shortly after we had it because immediately I heard the Lord tell me to write the book and it got many confirmations in my spirit. And I started to write it and I didn't know what I was doing. And I sent it to someone and they did all these edits on the first chapter. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not a writer. The English is not my favorite subject. And I refused to do it. I mean, I tucked it away. When I go back and look at the mess I sent the young lady, the editor, I realized she probably thought I was a joke who could barely make it out of you know high school. <laughs> what I wrote, And I think it was because of my disobedience. I just didn't want to do this. I did not want to hear from God. Here, God saved me from so many things. And yet I'm still not willing to give God what he's asking me for. Oh my gosh. Does, I, I just look at it reflect on it and think, man, I just wish I'd get it together. (laughs) When I did start writing though, I felt an anointing on the Lord bringing to recall things that I had forgotten. 
And I will tell you, there were times when I would start writing and I would have to break down and go get a box of tissue. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I remembered with great pain some of what we lived through. I did put everything in the book because some things were very personal. You know, there's different reasons why you omit certain things. Sure. But the book is truthful. The book is authentic. And I believe it's something that will minister to people. I share everything from my breaking down to um, very intimate details that I think people will see and witness how God miraculously provided for us. There was one time, if I may, it was the day one of chemo and they prescribed nausea medication for Doug. Well, our insurance did not include prescription coverage. And I remember running to the prescription counter which was in another building. And I had like just a few minutes to get there. I ran like a sprinter and I was winded when I got there, turned it in, was able to get it there on time. They call me to the counter and tell me that'll be a thousand dollars. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, we don't have a thousand dollars, much less right now when you're trying to pay all these medical bills. And you're telling me this is only a 30 day supply, you know, that I've got to do this every month. And I remember crying before I got back to Doug because I didn't want him to see me cry and say, God, I, I, I just don't know how you're going to do this. Your battle, not mine. If we're your children, everything we have belongs to you. And I'm going to need to see your hand in this. And I want you to know that I'm going to trust you, but I kind of don't, but I do, but I don't. <laughs> it was a war. Like I do, but I, I just have a little bit of doubt in me, which is not really truly full surrender. And I say that because there's other people that are listening right now that are feeling the exact same thing. But I want to tell you that God answered my prayer and he provided. And the miracle behind it is that my husband got it in the best way. He had the will to say, I'm not going to take the pill unless I really need it. Mm. And he took maybe two pills in the entire time that he had chemotherapy. And so God provided financially by causing him not to need the medication. Which is better, much better. Way better, just tremendously better. So I want to give all glory to God in that. In stories like that, you will hear of encouragement in the book. Amen. Well, we could talk all day long, Lisa, about all that God has done in your life. But if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? His name is Jesus. Don't let go of him. If somebody tells you about him, Lisa, research him. Lisa, read about him. Lisa, talk to him. Lisa, trust him. Mm. Oh, the heartache I could have saved myself. His name is Jesus. I just whisper Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then I would surely hear him so much that I'd want to seek out and know more about him. And eventually by knowing more about him, I think I would have done so many more things that he probably had for me that I probably missed out on because I refused to react to the name of Jesus. Well, as we wrap up, I I like to ask all of my guests, if there's a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired or encouraged or taught you something, and how does her story connect with yours? My goodness, you're just allowing me to say just one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you you want to share more than one, that's fine. I think I could relate to a lot of people in the Bible. I could start with when Mary and Martha are serving. I would tell you that often I'm a Martha because I want to complain about Mary, you're sitting there trying to spend time with Jesus when we've got a kitchen to clean, you know, <laughs> but, um, I'd like to tell you that I was an Esther because I was called by my husband. I was no longer going to go seek who I wanted to marry, but I was going to say, God, would you 
bring to me my righteous man that's going to keep his covenant promise to me, that's going to love me for who I am, that's going to grow me and undergird me and bless me. And boy, did I get that. I have a man who keeps me walking a straight line and I do try to stray, you know? And when I say that, I mean like um, I could say, have an opinion about somebody and he's the first one to bring me back to let's not be judgmental, you know, give people the grace that we need. But ultimately I would say Deborah. I would say Deborah because Deborah was strong and she was brave and she completely trusted God Mm. and she was a righteous woman. And so I'm at a place in my life Jody, where I don't get a whole lot of things and I'm still going through things, lots of things at different levels. But I can say to you, just like I would have told Lisa back in the day, his name is Jesus. Mm -hmm. I would say to you that I want to be a woman who is completely guided by God, that in the morning, God, I am so tethered to you that I'm going to trust you that even if I don't get it, I will not stray from you. I want to be a brave woman to speak. If he says, speak to someone about Jesus, if he says, speak up about an injustice, I want to be that woman. I want to be strong. I believe I am strong in some ways, physically, emotionally determined, strong-willed, but I want to make sure that in the midst of all of that, that I also understand that sometimes that strong-willed character needs to submit, not sometimes, it should always submit to the Lord. And so it's an interesting balance, but I'm going to settle at Deborah, even though I gave you some flavor of other ladies. (laughs) All right. We'll take Deborah and Esther and Martha. And Mary. (laughs) And Mary. (laughs) I think we all see a little bit at all of them in, uh, in part of various parts of our lives. And I think as I look at your story, think of your story a couple of scriptures that just jump out at me. Psalm 33, 4, the word of the Lord is right and true. And he is faithful in all he does. And when you sought God in the word, he came through and was a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And, you know, as we do that in our lives, as we seek God through his word, he brings truth and light and wholeness and comfort and everything we need when we submit our lives to him. Thank you all for joining us today. I want you to check out the show notes for a link to Lisa's book and ministry information. We list the scriptures that we talked about today, refer to any books that we uh, mentioned. Um, And you can check out our podcast webpage at hergodstory.org where we have blogs, we have free resources. Uh, You can find out how you can join us in supporting the Somebody Cares Widows and Orphan Fund. And if you need prayer, please, please, please feel free to call or text our 24-7 prayer line at 855-459-CARE. That's 855-459-CARE. Or you can email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. We would love to pray with you. We hope you'll join us again for another episode of Her God Story. And God bless you. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.